Hi, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Sex Ed in the City with Drew and Dr. G. Episode four. We're very excited you're with us today. We have a good uh, session planned. Dr. G, I how's it going? I we're here on session four. Like, I'm so excited. Uh, I've also been like super excited about all the feedback and people that have reached out like, oh my God, I listened. It was so great. Or just like, I don't know. It feels nice to have folks that, you know, we know and love listening in and then being so excited about it as, as well. So I'm excited that we're continuing on this journey. It feels great. Like, I think optimistically we were, I was thinking like, okay, we'll do it. And like, eventually people will catch on. But the fact that people started already, like Joe and Saxon always message me, shout out to Joe and Saxon when like, as soon as it comes out, like our, my dad, your mom has messaged. Mm-hmm. We had a stranger message us. Like, so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. My mom um, is watching it on our YouTube channel because mm. she's not really, you know, she doesn't really do podcast type things. I felt so bad. I was like, well, do you know what a podcast is? <laughs> she was like, I'm not an idiot, Rachel. Of course, I know what a podcast is. But then she was like, but how do I listen to it? She had like no idea. To like, um, but I love it. So she's watching it on our YouTube channel, which is great because, you know, then she gets to see our personalities and stuff. So. And uh, go ahead. Yeah, she can't wait to be on it. So I'm super excited for that day. (laughs) I am still sitting with the story from episode two, where you talk about like hip or shoulder checking her. (laughs) I was talking about that with my folks and we were just cracking up. (laughs) Well, she didn't remember that. She told me, she's like, I don't remember that happening. I'm like, well, good. Cause you almost, I almost died. (laughs) um, So that was funny, but yeah. But isn't that interesting though? Like that moments in our lives that seem so big to us, other people won't even remember Mm -hmm. kind of brings into perspective for me anyway, when we were talking about last, you know, last episode about shame and when we have shame and that, we, we let it fester so much in us and work it into this big thing that um, it's really good to let it go. And because uh, the other people might not even know or remember or even notice the things that we feel embarrassed or shameful about. We are so. our own biggest critic. We go in a place and we're like so insecure, but that's that's us. We are criticizing ourselves. Like half these right? other people don't even know or aren't even these people aren't even looking at us. Like that, people, that's everyone's what I try to tell too myself. busy judging themselves. Yes, <laughs> we're yes. all in a room judging ourselves, worried that someone's going to judge us. But everyone is judging. Us. It's like we need to get it together. We need to like, get off our own egos. Yeah. Like, and I when I say we, I mean like the collective <laughs> we as society. Like, why are we all afraid of judging? Um, what's going on? But um, well, let's. Uh, Talk about shaming people. We won't <laughs> say names. However, t- uh, I want to open up today with talking about, well, we're going to talk today about what are the great qualities of teachers and, and what does a great teacher really need to have. But I want to open it up with like, who was your worst teacher ever and why? And we should probably not say their names because I'm not into shaming, but um, I do think it's important to talk about because I think everyone has at least one teacher there. Like that person is a 
deeply Say unpleasant. Say their names, Dr. Gibson. We give no fucks. <laughs> ah, okay, so you go first. Who is your worst teacher ever? Uh, the worst teacher ever is me right now at the end of the school year. <laughs> lies, lies. I am, That's every teacher, especially oh in New York. God. Everyone's like, well, can finals and regions just be over? Why? I'm so exhausted. I have so little joy right now. But I was thinking that today. I was just like, I feel like I'm the worst teacher. But I thought of two teachers that were my least favorite. One was in fourth grade and one was my freshman year of college. I think he was my first class. And I, I was trying to think what I didn't like about them. And they were both very similar. <laughs> Not to like shout out identities, but they were both old or older white men <laughs> um they were really dry and boring they were by the book there was like no creativity there was no humor it was just kind of like it, I picture it like classic from like the early 1900s like come in do your book work yeah I didn't have fun I didn't like it I didn't learn one was a lecture and know. one was just like a fourth grade math class. So, but similar vibes, similar feelings. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The word, remember book work, remember textbooks, <laughs> chapter three, answer questions, X, Y, and Z. And I would spend hours for social studies. I remember doing that. Yes. The it long is. questions. Can I tell you anything about history? No. <laughs> Listen, those textbooks and reading and answering the questions do not work if anyone's still doing that please stop now annotating oh like all yeah and the cool thing about health is we don't have to use textbooks or we shouldn't really be because everything's yeah. changing all the time so it's like yeah find an article online do something yeah yeah when I find out when people are like oh let's use what textbook do you use I'm like I haven't used a textbook since 2004 so yeah no. Oh my gosh. So my worst yes. teachers, I also had two. They interestingly enough had the same name. Um, isn't that weird? Um, but I, mine were for very different reasons. It wasn't they were boring. They were mean. So, and they both involved them shaming me and embarrassing me. So the first, the first one was my first grade teacher. I'm oh. six. This chick made me pee my pants, not once, but twice because she wouldn't let me go to the bathroom. And like, who, first of all, all young people should be allowed to go to the bathroom whenever they need to go to the bathroom, period. We should be in charge of our bodies, but especially a six-year-old that, you know, you're still kind of learning how to control the pee. Mm -hmm. And twice, once it was like by the end of the day and the bell was about to ring, and I had to go. She wouldn't let me. So by the time the bell rang, I had to run. And I couldn't, I literally remember I couldn't get my pants down fast enough mm. and I beat my pants. And then another time was on a recess. She wouldn't let me come in to use the bathroom. And I remember going to sit on a bench and just sitting there and peeing because I had to go so bad. And then I told everyone I fell in a puddle. <laughs> I thought Aww. it was going to be kidding. It was like sunny and, you know, pee smells. Um, but she was so mean. So she made me pee my pants twice. And then I remember I stole flashcards from her to practice my math. And I never gave them back. <laughs> no, my mom found out that I stole them. And it was humiliating because my mom made me give them back and apologize to her. And she was, I had a bit of a stealing problem when I was young. 
Like mm. I'd steal things from like candy from the store. So my mom would always, when she, my mom found out, she would uh, make me go back and like apologize to the people. But I remember being so upset. So yeah, Wild. that first grade teacher made me pee my pants twice. So rude. And then my, the other one was in 10th grade, my chemistry teacher. So a bit about me. I really struggle with math. Um, just doesn't come easy. Like probably because my first grade teacher, I was trying to practice my math and she was being <laughs> mean. So <laughs> I blame it all on her. But um, Trauma. yeah, so I remember in 10th grade chemistry. So I was, um, I was like advanced. Most people didn't take chemistry until they were juniors. I took it in 10th grade because I was like ahead, blah, blah, blah. You. But I was the only sophomore in the class. And so we did something. We did something and we had to make a graph. And I made the I made the wrong kind of graph. It was supposed to be a bar graph. I made a line graph or something. I don't know. I did the wrong graph. But she embarrassed me in front of the whole class. She was like, that's so stupid. Why would you do that kind of graph? That's completely, doesn't even make sense. She like embarrassed me. I was like crying in class because I was so embarrassed. And then to make it even worse, I was telling a friend about it later the day. And she was like, oh, that was you. She told everyone in our class about that too. Imagine the shame, like, and I was a really good student, right? Like I was, um, I worked Still really are. hard in school, like yeah. very like into school and I, I was trying, it's not like I was like fucking around and did something. Um, not that that would make it okay for her to shame me, but I'm just like, who does that? Like, uh, so many thoughts and feelings about that. Like all of that, like, and that's a great, that will segue nice and nicely into like what we're going to talk about, but like, yeah, like kids in the bathroom, like, <laughs> I hope that teacher learned her lesson, their lesson, like six grade what <laughs> let them go six oh yeah six not even sixth grade yeah I was six years old first grade I'm in first grade I'm like a baby talking about you can't go to the bathroom I'd be Get like out of here. revenge pissing all over that room all the time <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, and no bodily autonomy. I mean, that's one thing I like about Bard. And I remember when I was teaching there that because I worked at other schools where they make this big deal about the kids couldn't go to the bathroom the first or the last 10 minutes of the period. And yeah. They had to have a pass. And, oh, it was like so dramatic. I'm like, they're just going to pee. And if, and if we're trying to like control them because they're doing something else besides peeing, they're going to find a way to do whatever they want to do anyway. And you want me to waste all this time. We had to make Correct. a log book. Sign something. Yeah. When you're going pee. I'm like, can people just go pee? Like, <laughs> and if they're going to do something else, they're going to do it regardless. So yes, precisely. You're just making like a mountain out of a mole or something, whatever that phrase is. I'm like, ugh. like, so I think when I started teaching at Bard and that was like a rule that young people could go to the bathroom when they needed. I was like, thank goodness, because I was just like, go to the bathroom. You do not have to ask me. Like, try not to like disrupt the whole class yes. on your way out. But like, yes. I don't need to give a 17-year-old permission to pee. <laughs> it feels like very policey, right? It, you draw yeah. the comparisons between, between like school 
and like prisons and stuff. And that's one way where she's like a very control oriented. Um, yes. I will say like, there'll be times a kid has to go and I'm like, can you hold it for like five minutes just so like I'm done explaining or something. Yeah. But like, if it's an emergency, like get, yeah. like go do what you got to do. If you're going to go vape, whatever, I don't know what you're doing, but just get yeah. out of here. <laughs> well, like, and for me, it's more about teaching them, um, about how and when there's a natural break in a setting Mm -hmm. to go do what you need, right? Because like, you know, I worked at schools, I'm in the middle of like talking and a kid's doing the pencil sharpener. And I'm like, it's like, I'm like, "Mm, okay, can you wait like (laughs) 0.2 seconds, right? So for me, it was about teaching young people that, Mm -hmm. because my school is about learning like It's about socialization. Like, Mm -hmm. so when is there a pause that this is a great time for me to get up and go take care of whatever I need to get it with, you know? So I, I would, I, once I was at Bard, I was like, please don't ask me to use the bathroom. Just don't disrupt the class and just go when you need to go. And teachers would be like, well, they go in my class every day. I'm like, maybe that's when they have to pee every day. (laughs) Like I pee at very similar times as well. Yeah. Or yeah, I would get, I would always get yelled at by the deans in my other school. Miss Gibson, you let so-and-so to the bathroom. The, where's the, I'm like, oh, and then like teachers would like shame them with these like passes that I'm like, can we just stop and let everyone pee? just let them go. Like if they're gone for like 20 to 30 minutes, then I'm like, okay, like let's have a conversation. But most 99% of kids just need to go and come back. That's all they want to do. Yeah. Or they need a break. Again, yeah. And again, if they're doing something else, they're going to do it anyway. Like, I am like so over ever telling a person when they can go pee or not. I I mean, I, I leave in the middle of class sometimes too to go to the bathroom. I'm like, okay, they're working. Like the bathroom's right next door. I can just bop yeah. in and I come back. I'm like, what's what's going on? They're fucked. Well, they're isn't fine. that wild too? People don't realize that teachers, you don't get to use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, at some schools, you're like not allowed to leave students alone, but like you literally have like sometimes you're like, no, I must go. <laughs> it's, yeah. And I would be like <laughs> and where I, I taught at one school where I was the only classroom on that floor because it was on the 10th floor. And I'd be like, OK, y'all, I'm going pee. It's right there. I've always put someone in charge. Some like yes, random kid yes, yes, yes. and be like, you know, <laughs> you're in charge. Don't get crazy i'll be back i'd be like peeing as fast as possible and then i would always i would always there was like this corner i would always stop at the corner and listen to see what they were talking about or what they were doing without me in the room and i i got some hilarious conversations but nothing ever happened but it was just people don't realize when you're teaching like you don't have you don't even have your own bodily autonomy to go to the bathroom when you want yeah you have a unless you have a student teacher or something but like yeah and I think I feel safe leaving my kids but like I wouldn't have done that at every school I've taught at they would have yeah. ripped the place down yeah <laughs> but then how wild is that as high school teachers that we can't leave a classroom for a few minutes yeah without like all hell breaking loose so what does that say about the system yeah. you know like I <laughs> I refuse to believe that we're it's all Lord of the Flies. You know what I mean? What does that say about this system we've created yeah. where if an adult walks out of the room, it's like Armageddon. 
<laughs> you they, know? Yeah, they, do, I, they do want a little freedom, you know, and of course they'll yeah. push it as much as they can. Yeah. Um, That's wild. What are we, let's talk about what we're talking about today. Yeah. So what are like some of the most uh, important characteristics of a teacher? Yeah. I listed a bunch here. I was trying to think of just teaching in general. I didn't know if you looked at it through the lens of like sex ed. Um, but I just thought like what makes a good teacher, I felt like we could just like talk back and forth a little bit. The first one I had was, um, a general caring and enjoyment of young people. I feel like, right. Yeah. I feel like that should be the baseline. If you don't like working with young people or your age group, maybe find a different pathway or a different yeah. age to work with maybe go to a college or something that's less yeah nurturing because I feel like I mean we've talked about this like so many people are in it now but it, you get the vibe that they're not like on the side of the kids or they don't enjoy working with them or they're not willing mm-hmm. to go above and beyond for them and it kind of feels like oh a little hard to watch yeah it seems like something happens with people as they go through their career at some point they become jaded and I don't think that's yes. the young people's fault I think that's the systems fault um but yeah you have to like young people like there's a reason I wasn't at elementary school because me and little kids it's not really a vibe (laughs) I'm like 16 and 17 15 that's like my sweet spot for sure (laughs) you always did high school you never did a middle school no like I've did I've subbed elementary school I've done like workshops in middle school but I was always oh, yeah. a high school I've always taught ninth and tenth ninth or tenth yeah. um which I love I prefer tenth tenth grade is my favorite year because the ninth graders are still too a little need a little too many hugs <laughs> um for my convenience or my preference um yeah. but you know but the tenth graders you know they've Pretty, you know, they're like past the awkward puberty mostly, um, but they're still kind of like fun. They're not like seniors where they know everything and are like, oh, eh, you can't tell me what to do. You know, <laughs> they're not there yet. So I love 10th graders. That is my jam. Like they're, 15, 16. Yeah. It's a fun grade. That's a big develop. It doesn't seem like it, but ninth to 10th, even though it's one year, oh. is- Huge. Yo, they come back that summer. Different, and different like children. Ten inches taller. The yeah. boys all have a deep voice. Mm-hmm. The girls have curves. You're like, what just happened? It is well, a like very the boys, big. the boys that you know, because boys uh, t- typically develop a little bit later, right? So the boys that were like tiny in ninth grade, like grow so much, and they come back tenth grade, like I miss. <laughs> <laughs> so cute oh yeah but you have to like young people let me read what my nephew said so for context everyone my nephew is 10 he's going to fourth grade um and so I was like can you tell me like uh about your favorite teacher and what you liked about them so he said the most important qualities of a teacher the first thing he said was that they are nice mm-hmm. and then he said the second thing he said they know how to teach <laughs> and they explain everything really good and they make sure you don't forget the things they're teaching you which i thought was mm. so cute and i was like well tell me about your favorite teacher and he was like well she knew lots of math she was good at reading and knew lots of social studies 
But then he said something that I thought was so cute. He was like, she pushed us to our limits. Like we really did challenging math. And I thought it was like, wow, like, I don't know. He's 10. He's like, she pushed us to our limits. Mm -hmm. And then, but then he was like, but she also did chip challenges. And I'm like, what is that? So she would bring in different flavors of chips and they would have like taste tests. So he's like, she like was rigorous, right? But she was also fun. And that's what I think as a good teacher and a good pedagogy is, right? Like you're rigorous and you're getting, you're like molding the minds, but you're having fun while you're doing it. You know, like how many of us remember the tests that we did, but what about the projects that we had so much fun doing? And I really think that's what makes a good teacher to, you know, sitting and lecturing, but like, how are you making what you're teaching fun? And I truly believe that pedagogy is is an art. And yes, you can get your degrees and there are things to learn, but I really think good teaching is an art and it is a talent. And do you want to There's say, what, some... go ahead. Do you want to explain what pedagogy is maybe for some of our listeners? Oh yeah. For those of folks that aren't teachers, pedagogy is, you know, I don't know the dictionary definition, but it's just like the art and science of teaching and what you do in a classroom. Everything from like how you set up the classroom with your student desks to how you write a lesson plan to how you ask questions, all of those type of things. Um, but I really do think there's a talent in it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah that not everyone possesses you know that seems rude but it's true yeah it is it's a skill as well like it takes practice Mm -hmm. like nobody's great right off the bat I put I put the same thing I for mine I put high expectations right Mm -hmm. as much as some kids don't want to be in school they're going to rem- they're going to remember how they felt in your class and mm-hmm. if your class and your class can be like easy quote unquote that's like fine but they do want to be challenged in some way mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be oh it's the hardest course imaginable it could just be like i was challenged to think about the world in a new way i was challenged to like mm-hmm. express myself or to be more social with my classmates because if they're just going through the motions and and it's easy and they're not really thinking like I don't think that's great education. I don't think that's what we're necessarily here to do. And sometimes we do, we like take classes where we chill and stuff, but that can't be the overall vibe. Well, I think that's the challenge with health education, right? People are like, we need academic rigor, Mm -hmm. but health education is challenging in a different way, right? It's not physics. It's not OCHEM. It's challenging young people to look at the world and evaluate their emotions and their lives in a way that they're and reflect in a way that they're often not allowed to, mm-hmm. um, or, and all of those things. So, you know, you, you see sometimes teachers being about eva- health teachers being evaluated on like Danielson or whatever. And I'm like, okay, yes. But when we're talking about health education as a whole, we're not just t- talking about the knowledge, right? Those knowledge, the attitudes and the behaviors, right? We're really talking about yeah, we can give anyone a quiz, but we're talking about those attitudes. And I, when I was at Bard, I think my young people had a hard time because they wanted quizzes and tests. And, mm-hmm. and, and I was like, no, we're going to talk about feelings. And they were like, <laughs> <laughs> dig it. I know the difference. One of the big things this 
students in general is like difference between a thought and a feeling it's like mm-hmm. like that is that's a thought that's what you're thinking that's not what you're actually feeling that's an important ass skill it's even for crucial. adults people love to say well i feel like and then they tell you a thought and you're like mm, interesting <laughs> no <laughs> even even with my graduate students correct my phd students struggle with getting into the feeling part. I mean, you know, the Widener classes, but, mm-hmm. and, and, but so what a great thing about health education that we're teaching them that skill at such a young age. There's so many ways to do it. Like you got to talk about how important it is, give them a list of feelings so they can like mm-hmm. pick them out. Like something besides good, bad, like, oh, fine feelings. I'm not expressing. Yeah. I always use or, that one. Like, or I feel some type of way. I don't know if that's like the lingo anymore, but my last few years of teacher teaching, that was the lingo. I feel some type of way. I'm like, great. So let's delve into what type. Uh, it fe- yeah. It feels almost like therapy ish, but we are definitely not trained therapists at all. Yeah. Well, um, I, I also think it's part of, um, the English, the fault of the English language, right? We both teach in English. The English language does not have a lot of good words. Like when you, like, if you think about like Spanish, right? Um, it's the only other, other language I know. There's so many more adjectives in Spanish. So I think also sometimes it can be harder in English to describe how you're actually feeling. I don't think we have, a. I mean, there are millions of words about feelings, sure, sure, but sure. when I think about it, especially for students who are multilingual or bilingual, mm-hmm. I wonder if that's ever a hinder to them. That's a good point. I don't know if I ever really thought about that. I try to keep like a big list and try to use the words like I'm actually mm-hmm. meaning, like rather than saying mm-hmm. like a very or like yeah. so, find that word that like encompasses that, but it's hard for adults. Yeah. Oh, I love a feelings wheel. Yeah. I feel like yes, in health class or any type of affective learning class, yes. there has to be a feelings wheel present. Um, Would love a big one to like hang on the wall or something. Yes. It would be beautiful. I mean, I think we feelings wheels in our everyday life. We're just communicating with, with people. Get one I was in, right on my arm, Jesus. Right. I was in dance class the other day and we were learning this move and I just, and it was like, we kind of rotate partners and I was at the instructor and I looked at her and I was like, I feel very uncomfortable right now. And she's like, that is a great adjective. I was like, great. So as we're doing this, just keep that in mind. <laughs> I was like so stiff because I felt so uncomfortable. <laughs> But I think I could, you know, in a dance class, I'm not going to like delve into it, but um, in a health class, it would be interesting to talk more about that. What other traits came up for you when thinking about quality educators? Yeah, I really think that, you know, in like professional lingo, it's called differentiated instruction, you know, but I really think it's about And I, so I really think that is important, but doing it so naturally, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to have this, um, yes, we plan and we write the lessons, but you have to be able to, in that moment on the go, notice what's happening and react differently to all the things that are happening in your class. Right. And I think that, I mean, takes time and takes talent and learning, but I think that's really really important. And not only like often we talk about differentiated instruction, we're like, you know, for different types of learners and this and that, but it's also for the different types of emotions that might come up, right? When you're talking about 
a topic in health ed, right? Like you're talking about addiction. There's many, many different emotions that are going to come up talking about that. So being able to kind of like shift your, your pedagogy in the moment, because each period you talk about that, it's going to be different. Mm -hmm. And so I think that talent is so important and beyond just like, you know, beyond just like, okay, this is what we're doing for this type of learner and that type of learner, because, okay, you can list all the type of learners, but we don't often list the kind of emotions are going to come up in that moment and how we're going to react to them. And I think that's super important, especially in a health ed or sex ed class. I, wow, we had similar, I said flexibility. And I think that's almost like when you said it, it's the same thing. Like you got to know, or you got to be and the way you framed it was perfect. Be paying attention to the class and the way things are going and the discussions like, Hey, do we stay on this? Do we, try and get through the rest of the lesson plan because that's what I plan like you got to know your people you got to know what's important Mm -hmm. you got to have a plan or a vision you got to be flexible you got to be okay with not getting through it because I make I mean I got this from you I I make a map at the beginning of every school year what I'm going to do every day and like tie it to my units it is so different by the end of the year like some units go like an extra week or two like you Mm -hmm. gotta be okay with that you can't be you can be like a type a or like organizational, but I don't know how that's going to make you feel at the end. (laughs) But, you know, I think I love that you said, like, you learned the map from me. Cause one thing that I learned from you when we work together is to be more flexible Mm. because folks, I am the type A planner. (laughs) Um, And, but one thing I think as I progress in my career and my maturity is that I've been able to be more flexible um, and to be okay with like different periods being at different places. Yes. Because that's so, and you know, we're obviously we're talking about like secondary education right now, because what's happening in first period and fifth period is completely different. It's different kids, it's different times of the day, the conversations are going to be different. And I think making sure that each of those little cohorts, that you honor that is so important. And that's easier said than done, right? Because listen, teachers have a lot, you have five periods a day minimum usually. Um, I know it's different at Bard, but in the traditional like public high school, it's it's super hard to do. It's not like you teach one class a day and it can be all like, you know, it's not easy, but being able to do it some like innately, I think that comes with along with after your career, you've had a lot of experience. It can do it a lot easier. You know, yeah, I love that you brought that up too. One class will operate well with like a discussion base. Others uh-huh. might need to write it down or like might need to yeah. do group pair stuff because they have a little more energy or they're, it's a little harder for them to focus. Knowing your kids, yeah. for sure. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah, like that first period, everyone's asleep. You know, the period after lunch, everyone's extra hype. Yeah. Eighth period, you, you're you tired. So are they, everyone wants to take a nap. They're out the door, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and how do we, and being able to navigate that is so important. Um, Cause I guess one thing that frustrates me about education is that, you know, all the theories and the research, you know, it sounds so great, but it's often like how to make a perfect classroom. Okay, cool. That'd be so easy if I only taught one period and one classroom, but I don't just have 16 young people in this perfect room I have you know or maybe I have 35 and I have five periods or 
you know, what have you. And I think it's often setting up teachers to not have the best success because mm-hmm. they're like, you know, they as in like, you know, educational scholars and things of like, oh, do all of these things, you know, all these methods, easy, but it's, it's so much more than that. It's so much harder than that. I don't think folks realize that you're teaching, you know, I know it's different at Bard, but in the traditional, you know, large high school, it's 35 kids, five different periods with five different sets of personalities and you can't do the same thing mm-hmm. each time. And it's really like five different lesson plans and how much time that takes. And they have different courses or what I call it, preps yeah. as you call it. So you're doing different yeah. things. Also the field of education and the research is not like super, I mean, it's still like a relatively new kind of field. Like all the stuff that comes out, like the stuff from the beginning of our careers to what we're doing now has changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. The DOE is implementing a new reading program next year i'm not sure if you've like seen all of that oh i haven't it's they're basically saying oh the way kids have been learning to read for so long is like missing a lot and the research has been kind of flawed and they're they're gonna try something else i was just like all these generations of kids learning to read based on this like curriculum that apparently isn't like i don't know it's like it's always changing and yeah it's wild. Like I'm sure in 10 years, it's going to be completely different too. Yeah. Oh, I'm really getting into like the field of implementation science, like with my own research and like, say that again, what is that? Implementation science. So how we act, it's more like about like how teachers implement a curriculum, right? Mm. Because, you know, the lesson is there, the curriculum is there, but so much of our personalities and our identities come into it. You know, I'm, you know, I'm all geeked up about all of that stuff. And I think it is so important um, because I do think it matters. Like even you and I, right, we could be teaching the same curriculum, the same lesson, which we've done and different young people are going to react differently just based on who we are as people. Um, Mm -hmm. And some young people might enjoy your class more or my class more, you know, or that's just life like you don't get along with everyone and um I think that's a really interesting part of it it can't education is not a one size all especially in health ed right when we're like really talking about um you know challenging topics it's an affective class and it it really the teacher does matter 100% yeah, that's that's a really good point. With they're gonna it, the way you implement a lesson, it's not enough to have the perfect lesson plan. Mm-hmm. Like how you are implementing that, what mm-hmm. you're doing, mm-hmm. how you're planning to address things is just as important. Yeah, I think about like you know, like we all have our little jokes that we say. You know, we have our little. Well, I don't know. Not we all. I always have jokes. <laughs> that's how I teach. I I like to you know. I like to have fun. Um, And, you know, I can't always say a little joke in second period that lands great, may or may not land great in seventh period, you know? It may distract them. Yeah, for the rest of the period. That's how I used to tell the smartest kids in the class, though, Um, because, you know, sarcasm and understanding sarcasm takes a little bit of critical thinking. And I would always know the smartest kids because I would say something sarcastic and they'd be like the one kid in the back that's like, not, you think's not paying attention. And then they're like, hey, hey, hey. and they're like the only one that laughs. I'm like, aha, 
that's who they are. I see you. We're going to be friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Isn't it funny? Do you ever have students that you're like, wow, when you're, if, if we were the same age, we would be friends. I mean, I'm friends with a lot of kids that have graduated now. They're like in their mid twenties. So uh-huh. yeah. I mean, you meet kids and you're like, I really like you. Like you're a fun person. And I think, okay, maybe yeah. someday we could be, we could be friends or have some sort of relationship. Do yeah. you feel that way too? Yeah. When I was in the classroom, there was definitely young people. I'd be like, uh, if they weren't 16 and we would totally be friends. <laughs> and I am, you know, I've been teaching since 2000. So I definitely have students who are in their thirties. Now I have one in particular. I mean, we're on Instagram, we've hung out, you know, we've gone to bars and stuff. Um, yeah. And I've known her since she was 14. And I, that's really a special relationship for me. Cause I was, I didn't teach her, but I was her coach. Um, and it's really cool to see like the person she's become. She's dope. She's so cool. Like she's doing amazing things. Um, so yeah, I, it's cool to see how we um, enter into relationship with people we've taught when they're adults. Yeah. Do you have any other traits that you want to mention for quality educators? Anything that um, stands out or things you wanted to highlight? Well, I think you also have to know your content area. You have to have an expertise. You have to stay up on the newest research, the newest ways of teaching. I think that's so important, right? There's nothing worse than that teacher that's been teaching for 20 years and is still teaching the same lesson with the same resources. Like, let's get with the time. So I think professional development is so important. Yeah. Um, as professionals, I don't think there's any way around that. And just add that to the list of many things teachers need to think about. But I, I do think that's important for teachers to stay up on the content um, and always mix it up. It, that's important for ourselves too, right? How bored would we be if we just teaching the same lesson for 20 years? We have to mix it up and get creative and, and stay up with the times. I mean, maybe the literature we teach, like I can imagine like, I don't know how many ways there are to do algebra, right? So maybe it's different in our subject, but like in English class, if you're reading the same books every year, like that has to get like, how many times does one read like yeah. Shakespeare? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Never again for me, but yeah, I love that. I think you gotta be like a content you got to be seeking to continue to grow. And that comes from knowing who to learn from and where to learn from. That's why I love a lot of these health and PE conferences. You find people mm-hmm. who are really great. Social media is also great as well. I've gotten so much from like educational Twitter, Instagram, obviously being sus about stuff like that. And I had something else. One piece that I was going to add to that or what you said as well was creativity. I think Mm-hmm. If you can reimagine lessons, the same lesson, but in a different way, mm-hmm. bam, you're going to reach a lot more kids. And then another great quality of teachers is the reflection piece. And you and I yes. did that really well when we taught together. Yes. How did this go? What do we want to change? What can we do better? Because mm-hmm. we're not teaching the same thing every year. We fix it and make it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to your point about creativity, that is you know, in the public health world and the health education world, right, there's a lot of talks about EBBIES, which for those of you not in this field, it's evidence-based interventions, mm. right, which is a curriculum that has been proven through evaluation and research to be, to lead to be a sustained behavior change. Um, but 
because of the way that ebbies are created and they're written and you have to have fidelity, which means you have to follow it a very specific way. It doesn't always allow for creativity. And which is why when I'm teaching, I'm always all about evidence informed, right? Because no curricula is going to be right for any, every single group and you have to mix it up. And, you know, and there's like green lights for, you know, fidelity and there's yellow and, you know, a full stop that's not fidelity anymore. And I know public health folks are going to come for me, but I have an MPH. So I, I understand public health, everyone <laughs> don't, don't come for me too hard, but, um, I think that's an important conversation we need to have within health education because we do have this like um, uh, this like uh, what am I trying to say? I don't know. There's like a, a tension between public health folks and school health folks, and it has a lot to do with um, this uh, fidelity and ebbies and all of that stuff. But I I struggle. Um, with how people in public health talk about the importance of Ebbies, just as the person who's implemented them, I'm like, mm. yeah, you have a lot of evidence informed, yeah. not evidence based. I don't is, know. Is more successful in my opinion. That's a whole lesson in itself. I I do not have a lot of background knowledge in public health. I don't think I've taken too many courses at all. You got the MPH. You've got all yeah. the these. <laughs> I have some of them. Uh, I'm taking a course right now on from Yale, a free course. Is it the emotional was, health one? No, it's a um, it's global digital strategies for behavioral change. It's with their Global Institute of Public Health. But for a moment, I was like, oh, I should get a second PhD. And then I was like, calm down, calm down. I'm an Ivy League graduate. <laughs> right. Imagine. Yeah, I don't want to be in the pale male Yale team, though. Hail, hail, hail. Shout out that. to uh, Justine Angfonte who um, coined that. Right, or that's the first time I heard it. Is her saying it? Um, the hail, male, and Yale. You Jeez. know the type. Yes, with the khakis oh, yeah. and the mansplaining. Yes, yes, yes. Yale's got a type for sure. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so I don't. Want, but it's a it's a cool course so far. So, but that's part of my professional development, right? Like, I want to learn more about using digital media in, in my work, hence what we're doing now. And so it's a really um, exciting course. What was one thing you would love to like expand your knowledge on as a teacher? Yeah, I was, I was thinking of that realm, definitely like more public health stuff, but also I think I've had interest in like psychology and like social work and stuff like that and mm -hmm. having conversations with kids that are impactful like emotionally I guess like we facilitate mm -hmm. that discussion as a way to learn but I'm thinking of it more like therapeutically mm. I think that's fascinating I think people who can do that or who have the skills to like therapize I don't know if that's the word I think that's love it so cool and so I can imagine you doing that. Mm, You're maybe. really good at that. That's something I learned from you. I'm a good listener, I think. You Matt are. might argue differently, but <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> well, anyone who's friends with me is a great listener because I never shut up. So. <laughs> I love you for it. Uh, yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited what we talked about today. I think there are so many things that make a great teacher 
And I'm really excited for us to have some students on someday to talk about. I would love to hear what they say and how it aligns with what we think about being good teachers, what you need to have. Um, yeah. Any closing thoughts? Grateful that it's one of the last weeks of school. Grateful for another dope episode with you and looking forward to, to next week. Yeah. So looking forward to next week. All right, everyone. Um, take care. We'll see you at episode five. Bye, Holla. everybody.